Hi, I'm Michelle Brooks. Welcome to Endo Matters. This is a podcast that helps women with endometriosis get in control of their condition, no longer letting it control them. I'll be asking you, the listener, what help you would like and giving you tips on how you can live a better life with endo. After all, endo does matter. Hello listeners, in today's episode I'm going to be talking about the three tiers. These are the three areas that I work with women with endometriosis. Before I get into what they are, I'm going to talk about how I actually came about finding and discovering ways in which to help myself. So I'm going to take you back to when I was working as a personal trainer on the gym floor. I just started out and I was like very clueless about which direction I was going to go with in my career. I was training people for weight loss and I was training people to learn how to run. And I just knew that there was somewhere else I needed to be, somewhere, another direction that I needed to go in. And of course, as you may have heard in my story, that I have endometriosis myself. And I was increasingly finding it difficult to get on top of my symptoms. After numerous operations, nothing was working. So I started to research and look into nutrition and ways to help myself get over this condition and try to help my symptoms. In the meantime of that, I got very, very interested in nutrition. And I decided that I wanted to further that knowledge from what I'd already got and have some kind of qualification within that. As I say, I'd been researching for years and was very, very interested in nutrition anyway, but I wanted to have that kind of qualification behind myself. So I started a course with the BTN and one module of that was in women's health. And it kind of triggered something in my head. A light bulb went off and thought, I thought to myself, this is the difference I can make. This is where I want to go. I have a condition myself that is specifically for women. I have a condition myself that I want to help myself with. And I have a product in my hands here um, that I can go on and help people further. So whilst I was doing the course, my mind started whirring and, and finding kind of like ideas of where I wanted to go with this and again because the course is specifically for personal trainers nutrition for personal trainers they were talking a lot about how women should exercise around their cycle and at this point I'd not really thought about it but it makes perfect sense that we are we have different energies at different times of the month so why wouldn't we work our programming our exercise programming around that cycle So again, that got me thinking. And then I was also working with a group of women um, in an accountability group, you you might call it. We used to meet once a month and talk about different things like business or self-development, self-care, that kind of stuff. And again, this thing about working around your cycle came up, but this was about being emotionally aware of working around your cycle. So again, it got me thinking all these three things that were um, being thrown at me, like the nutrition for women, the exercise around your cycle and the emotionally working around your cycle. And I thought, if I can 
put something together that would help a myself initially and then b maybe be able to help others then that'd be a great thing so again i started researching i you know trolled the internet i read books and what i came up with was the three tiers that i initially worked on myself i put into place wrote a program for myself and then eventually came to roll out to other women with the condition so what I'm going to go through in this episode is those three tiers that I developed, the nutrition, the exercise and the stress management. So starting with nutrition. When you've got a condition like endometriosis, it's a very inflammatory condition. Flare-ups become part of life and I would say that majority of women that come to work with me that have endo have bloating issues and they have been diagnosed by a doctor with IBS. A lot of the time before getting a diagnosis for endometriosis, IBS can be diagnosed first. And that basically I have learned to understand that is because majority of women's endo is connected to the bowel. So it obviously affects the bowel in a massive way. So where I would start with this is to look at, obviously, what food you're eating. And the way I like to start is if you're having bloating issues, is to start with a food elimination process. So looking at the main culprits that would generally cause bloating, such as starchy carbohydrates, so like white pasta, white rice, white bread. Looking at things like gluten, looking at things like sugar, alcohol, dairy. They're the main kind of areas that I would look at cutting out first. Giving that a little bit of time and then introducing in slowly each of those um, food groups. Noting down how you're feeling. Is your stomach bloated? Is it flapped? Are you getting stomach cramps outside of period time? Are you getting stomach problems? Are you going to the toilet too much or too less? All of these things can account for you having problems in that area. Again, adding things in slowly. And if during the elimination process, you're still getting the bloating after cutting the main culprits out, then it's obviously something different. A lot of women um, get a little bit disheartened when they don't find that at that point, but we're all very different. Something that triggers somebody's bowel will be different from person to person. Another um, main culprit that I've found is acidic things such as peppers, onions, garlic. These all can be a trigger for some women, they're not for all. Spices is another, can be massively triggering for the bowel. Um, but it doesn't affect everybody. So again, you know, it's it's elimination of the major food groups first and then really pinpointing down into whereabouts there might be other things. But again, once you've done that experience and maybe after that five days or so that you've taken all of this out, that you start to feel a bit better. And then by adding things in very slowly over matters of months, that we might find exactly which culprit it is. And then once you've found which culprit it is, you have two choices. You take it out of your diet or don't. You take it out of your diet and feel better, or you put it in and suffer the consequences. 
and this is what I've heard, what I've learned the hard way is, you know, you get a bit complacent sometimes. Um, yes, I'm feeling tons, tons better. And then you start to add a little bit of something in and it can turn your world upside down because if you're intolerant to it one day, you're going to be intolerant to it the next day. It's not going to go away. It doesn't get better. So my advice is if you find what the culprit is, try as much as possible to stay away from it. And that will mean as well, when you're going out, it feels like such a hard chore and I get it, but asking what's in the food, has it got this in it? If you're allergic to dairy, has it got dairy in it? Can you make sure, will you check? Because again, eating out needs to be an enjoyable experience. And each time that you eat out, if you go home and you're feeling rubbish, then you're never going to want to eat out again. So make it an enjoyable experience and check those things. Check food labels when you're shopping. Um, make sure that what you're putting in your basket is not going to affect you. So as well as doing that, what you can follow is an anti-inflammatory diet. So again, find out what triggers you, what causes your bowel to um, be reactive, but also follow an anti-inflammatory plan as much as you can. And I'll explain that a little bit more in a minute. What I would say is, like I just touched on with working around your cycle with exercise, you can also do this with food. Now, there might be some things that you can tolerate at some times of the month and not others. I know from my experience, alcohol for me will not pass in the week leading up to my period or while I'm on my period. It just doesn't pass at all. But outside of that time, I can tolerate a little bit better if I'm careful. So, you know, we can't all live like nuns. We need to have some enjoyment in life. And if you enjoy a glass of wine, a beer or whatever it is that you like, then outside of that time might be a good time to add it in. So what you need to do, and this is really important for anybody, any woman, regardless of whether or not you've got endometriosis, is to track your cycle. Know exactly when your period is due. Note it in an app or have an app with it or note it on a calendar and make sure that you know exactly when you are due your period. Now, there can be fluctuations. You know, we're not linear beings. But I can tell you that despite my problems, I have always throughout my life been very, very regular. And that's been my saving grace with a condition that I can plan around it now. So once you know when you do on, you can work your way back. And again, it differs from woman to woman. Five, ten days, I would say, before you're due on your period. Start to eat um, very strictly an anti-inflammatory plan. And it's a little bit like that food elimination process. But it's knowing what it is you need to cut out yourself. So what I talk about with an anti-inflammatory plan is for that five to 10 days before your period, cutting out sugar, cutting out alcohol, caffeine, salt, wheat, dairy, and gluten, because again, they're the main culprits and that's the basis of an anti-inflammatory plan. But I would beg to differ that you need to cut this out all of the time if you're not reactive to it. But certainly in that time up to the, um, the period, is cutting that out as much as possible because what we want to do is get away from anything inflammatory. So these things can cause inflammation. And if you cut them out five to 10 days beforehand, your body's going to be at a very um, non-inflammatory state for you to be able to deal with that period a lot better. And obviously with endometriosis, the pain, the bloating, the sleepless nights that we get with it can be remedied a little bit by doing this method. 
Another thing I'd like to touch on when we're talking about nutrition is something that I researched quite recently, and that is um, knowing our omega-3 to 6 balance. Now, supplements are another conversation. And to be fair, I'm not a naturopath, so I can't tell you which supplements to take. But for a long time, and research shows that omega-3 is a massive anti-inflammatory. So for women with endometriosis, I would suggest an omega-3. But what I've learned quite recently is it's not just about that omega-3. It's about knowing where you are with your omega-3 to 6 levels. Now, omega-6 is what I would say is an inflammatory. And an omega-3 is an anti-inflammatory. So the two working but you do need omega-6, that's the thing. You do need omega-6 because in the right amounts, it can help with cardiovascular, it can um, help with cholesterol, but too much of it can go the opposite way. And when we're talking in the endometriosis terms, again, it can tip the, the balance either way for being too inflamed or, you know, um, obviously having the right amount of omega-3 will help you be more, um, be less inflamed. So, Omega-6, it's in most things we eat. It's in dairy, it's in meat, it's in grains, it's in things like avocado and eggs. So we can't really get away from it. And especially um, if we eat anything processed, it's highly, highly laced with omega-6. So our balance is really tipped over the edge. Now, the World Health Organization say that we should be five to one in balance to be optimally healthy. Science says three to one. And as a Western world, we're normally walking around with 15 to 1 balance, which shows that our diets are very, very high in omega-6 and not enough of omega-3. And I'll let you into a little secret. When I did my test, I, um, I don't eat a lot of meat because I'm not a massive meat lover. I eat a lot of fish and I was taking an omega-3 supplement. But um, my balance came back at 25 to 1 because I have endometriosis. And my diet wasn't bad. Yes, I'm not a saint. I don't profess to be a saint. I have a drink. Um, I like the odd bit of chocolate here and there. But my diet was by no means bad. And it came back at 25 to 1. So what I would urge to do is to find out where your levels are. And then start introducing some really, really good EPA, DHA, omega-3s into your diet. Another thing I'll touch on is greens. Greens are like the best thing I think anybody with endometriosis can eat. And it's got to a point now where I actually crave this. I know where my body needs it. And it sometimes comes to me. My body's always been really good at telling me when I need stuff. And I urge you, if you get anything from this podcast, to start listening to body, your body and knowing what it needs. And I'm not like talking about a sugar um craving or anything like that but your body will tell you exactly what it needs if you listen to it and I obviously have studied and and looked long at what I do and and how I feel and I found that five to ten days before my period I start to crave greens now this is because they are a massive antioxidant so any toxins that are in your body will be helped by adding in additional greens to your um already existing diet they're full of all sorts, calcium, they're just the, the wonder food for me. And again, anybody with endometriosis, I would urge that every meal that you're having in that lead up to your period, add some greens in it. Obviously, don't sprinkle some kale on your cornflakes, but 
then you shouldn't be having cornflakes at that time of the month anyway. So um, yeah, greens all the way, add it in. Something else well that I've just recently um, discovered, I always thought that dark chocolate would pass because it's not laced with sugar. And actually, when you've got endometriosis, again, it's an individual thing, but I'm talking quite generally here. Dark chocolate actually contains histamine and women with endometriosis can be very, very sensitive to histamine. So if you're eating the dark chocolate because you've got a chocolate craving in the run-up to your period, I get it. And I've been doing the same. But by reading this only a few days ago, I found that um, every time I'm due on, my sinuses start to get really blocked up. And I just thought it was something to do with the hormones. But what we're eating more of in the run-up to my period was chocolate, dark chocolate. And I thought, you know, eating organic dark chocolate, I'm doing like no harm because I'm not lacing myself with sugar but it is laden the, the cacao in it is laced with histamine so just be very careful if you are still having symptoms and you're doing everything else you you feel is right then just look and see if you're having any chocolate and if you're getting any symptoms because that could be the culprit another thing that i'd like to tell you about is um carb manipulation and upping your calories at the time of the month Again, we will all have low energy, especially with endometriosis. We get this little dip in energy and nutrition can massively help with this. And I'm not talking like tipping the balance so much. An extra 100 calories a day can make all the difference. So if you are on a weight loss plan or whatever, outside of the five to 10 days, lower your calories and then Keep the calories for when you're due on or, or on your period because that will make the whole of the difference by giving yourself that little bit more energy with food. And also we get like kind of ingrained in our brains at the minute, especially that carbohydrates are a bad thing. Carbohydrates are not a bad thing. We all need them. It's the, the type of carbohydrates that you eat as an endometriosis sufferer that is going to be the difference. Again, up your carbohydrates, I would say by about five to 10% at the time of the month. Again, it's going to give you that, that energy that you need. But also, um, don't just start filling yourself full of pasta, rice, whatever. Up your vegetables, that greens that I've just been talking about, up the greens, get like some really good whole grains in things like um, wild rice or brown rice, whole wheat pasta, lentil pasta is amazing, because it's again, full of really good protein, but it's a good source of carbohydrate as well. So just little things to think about with the nutrition when it comes to the cycle and eating for endometriosis. So the second tier is exercise. And as I pointed out in the kind of intro that you need to work around the cycle, our energies are not the same all the way through. We're not linear. And by saving our energy at a crucial time of the month will make all the difference to how our symptoms will progress. Now, again, as I said, tracking your cycle is really, really important. Making sure you know whereabouts in the cycle you're at and then tailoring the program around it. And again, my job in the work I do is to look at the woman's cycle. Any time somebody comes and works with me that's female, get out your calendar, when are you due on, let's work back from there and see what we can do when. 
And it's about finding the exercise that your body will do at certain times of the month. Now, for me, what I will do is to get a client to be doing the high intensity exercise that um, that they love. Like, so for instance, if they do weight training, if they do HIIT training, if they're a runner, if they're um, an athlete or any kind of high impact activity, I would get them to do that in what I call their good weeks. Anytime that um, you're due on or on your period, then it needs to be something that's quite low impact, in my opinion. So things like um, yoga, Pilates, um, LIS is a, another thing that's coming up at the moment as a craze. But um, I would say that that's a really great way to work if you are due on. Now, if you are a weight trainer and you get to this point, and you don't want to have a break in your training, then what I would suggest is just to lower that weight. You don't want to be going for personal bests at this time because your energy won't allow it and it's going to make your symptoms a lot worse. Because what does exercise do? It causes inflammation. When we're weight training, it breaks down the muscles and that repairing um, mechanism that happens afterwards is inflammation. So what you're wanting to do again is keeping this inflammation as low as it possibly can be. So by working around the cycle and, and slowing these things down, A, you're going to have um, a better month pain-wise because you're not causing the inflammation, but you're always also going to have enough energy to do other things in life. So if you're going to be in the gym pushing out, I've been guilty of this in the past before I knew any better, I would just go along and I used to have a personal trend before I came in the industry. And I remember walking into the gym one day and um the guy training me said to me you don't look so well I said no I'm not great but um you know it'll it'll kill or cure me was my response which looking at that now is just ridiculous but I did um probably about five squats with a heavy weight on my back and I put it down and I passed out great how embarrassing in a busy gym full of loads of blokes um and all the like could say have you been out on the piss well actually no I've not and um, I had a great PT. He knew what was going on with me. And he said, next time you are feeling like that, ring me up and cancel. I won't charge you because I know what's going on. But that by and by, I should have known when my time of the month was coming. And I should have been um, tailoring my workout around that. And now as a PT myself, this is exactly what I do with women, is making sure that they are conserving energy when they need to and putting in the effort when they need to too. So what you'll find as well is that once you've done um, this planning, you've worked it to the best of your ability around the cycle, that actually when you come out of like the period back into your, your great weeks, then you'll start pushing out personal best. Your performance will be a lot higher because you've given yourself time to rest. And in any kind of exercise, whether you've got endometriosis or not, when you give yourself rest is when the magic actually happens. It's not always in the performance where the magic happens. It's that rest time because you're giving your body, body time to repair for it to be able to go on to do better, bigger and better things. So that would be my advice in working around the cycle. Another thing is, as well as what I said in the nutrition section about looking after yourself and listening to your body, Listen to your body as well when it comes to exercise. Know the difference between feeling so tired and exhausted to being a bit lazy. We can all have that day where you think, I can't be bothered with this. 
but there's a difference between that and being so exhausted and as an endometriosis sufferer any ladies listening to this with the condition you will know exactly what that means I've been to a point where walking across the landing or walking down the stairs in my house has been an absolute mission it's felt like I've climbed Mount Everest some days so know your body and know when you need to slow down know when you need to take that time off the gym know when you need to take that time off any exercise because your body needs to rest it's your body's way of telling you you need to sit down and rest so do that and um and it'll be a lot better for your condition another thing to touch on in exercise is do what you like you know not do what you like do the things that you love do the things that make you feel great some people like will go and do X, Y, or Z just because the mate's doing it or because someone said you're going to lose so much weight if you do this exercise, but you hate it. If you go and hate it, you're never going to stick to it. And when you have something like endometriosis, you need to be doing stuff outside of that really like bad time that we go through that we're loving in life. You know, this is what it's all about. Once you get those endorphins running in you and loving what you do, you'd be more inclined to do it. And again, even whatever you choose, you need to be slowing down and, and doing all the other work that I've just described. But do something that you really love. Again, the things that you choose to do in the down weeks, choose something you love. I love yoga. Not everybody loves yoga. I wouldn't tell everybody to go and do yoga because they might not like it. It might not be their thing. But do whatever is your thing. What will happen during time when you've planned your month like this is that you'll start to, when you've had like um, a couple of weeks of hard training, you're going to start to look forward to the downtime, to like doing that yoga, doing that Pilates, doing those list training or lowering your weights. And then once you've had that downtime, you'll start getting towards the end of the period and start really looking forward to the times that you're going to have pushing out those personal bests. And you start to enjoy the whole of the month instead of like what I was doing before, really dreading going to a session because you weren't feeling great, you'll start to actually love and enjoy what you're doing all of the month. And again, this is what um, the whole program, the three things that I put together, are getting you to train to do, to become more balanced, to not having the ups and downs in everything that you're doing, is just getting that linear balance between what you're doing in a way that's effective. third area that I work with is stress management. Now, I'm not a, um, a coach in this area, but the, the, the things that I've put in place for women are from the research and things that I've put in place and helped. If there's any areas that's out of my remit, then I have a wide range of people that I do pass this on to. So I give you the basics we talk about the basics and then obviously if there's more work that's needed in this area, it's something that I would pass on. So stress management is a massive, massive area and it's not something to be ignored. You know, when we talk about endometriosis, everybody looks at nutrition and it's a massive one. Yes, definitely. It, I would say it is really, really important. So is the exercise. But stress is something people kind of poo-poo they say oh it doesn't affect me I'm fine with stress but when you've got endometriosis again this can be causing inflammation it can be causing us hidden things that are going on in the body and I can liken this to experiences I've had where 
in everyday life. Um, I didn't feel I was stressed, but probably I was. I've gone on holiday and I've had no symptoms whatsoever. I've probably eaten differently. I've probably not exercised as much, if I'm honest, but the stress hasn't been there and my symptoms have been completely gone because the stress element is being taken away. I don't have to worry about getting up for work. I don't have to worry about my day-to-day. -day. don't have to worry about um, you know, a house. don't have to worry about anything else apart from getting up that morning, sitting in the sun, going for a walk and just enjoying myself. So again, this is where it said to me, alarm bells, we need to look at stress. And it's a very, very difficult area to look at because stress can manifest in different ways. Stress can be for different reasons. And the place where I would start with anybody that works with me is to ask, what is it that's making you stressed? Once you can admit what is actually causing stress, then you can put action points in to where you need to get to to get rid of that stress. And again, my own example was I used to, before I got in the fitness industry and into the well-being industry, I worked in retail. And thinking about it now, why this was a massive stress to me is beyond me because the job was a doddle. But um, I was highly stressed in that job. And my symptoms were really, really bad. And I think at, at the time in my life, it's, I think it's just when I got my diagnosis, my stress levels were the highest I think I've ever been in my life. And I kind of thought, what is it that I need to change to get rid of this stress? And it was the job. The job was causing me massive stress. And I'm not suggesting that the listeners on here start like giving in the notice and saying, I'm running away from my job. It's causing me stress. But you need to look at if it is a job that's causing you stress, putting in things in place to make you cope with that job a lot better. The way you can get, you know, through a day without it being tipping you over the edge and you're like feeling that anxious um, feeling inside every day of your life because you're going to a job. That is my first kind of point of call. So for me, yes, I quit my job. I was very, very fortunate that I could quit my job and I retrained. And that was the point with me where stress started, started to kind of diminish a little bit because I'd got rid of the major stress point. Now, everybody's stress and what causes them stress is going to be different, but there's always action plans. And, and the way I kind of see it is we need to know how to deal with stress. So having things in a toolbox of things we can pull out each time we get to this stressful state. And again, I just give people the basics. I would say like um, having things like breathing techniques, breathing, we all breathe, hopefully, and, you know, just concentrating on the breath and like really like going inside and, and going okay I'm breathing in and I'm breathing out that, that can be just one thing that will stop you from the anxiety raising in your body could be something as simple as going for a little walk getting out of the situation you're in going clear in your head and coming back again I know for one that I always sit here and try and get through a problem before I leave it and sometimes being in that problem for too long can cause you more and more stress Walking away from it and coming back to it is often a better remedy. Listening to some music, again, a very quick thing to do. Uh, music is a massive healer. Listen to something that's upbeat, something that is brings something up in you that's positive. Again, I've, um, I've always wondered why, you know, people break up with somebody and then they listen to a sad song. 
you're just putting like insult to injury there. Why are you doing it to yourself? Listen to something that's going to make you feel better, going to lift your spirits and try and get you out of this anxiousness. Find out what it is for you that relaxes you. Again, I can give you examples, but each person will be different. Know what it is that relaxes you. I, for one, know that if I get in a hot bath with a few candles, reading a nice book, that's where I feel relaxed. Other people, it can be different things. You know, it could be just sat in a silent room. That can be relaxing for somebody. You know, find out, make a list of things that you know you find relaxing and go and do that. After a hard day at work, don't come home and start adding, again, that insult to injury by trying to do too much. Sit there and do something that relaxes you first before you get on with something else. While we've talked about working around your cycle with things like um, the nutrition and the exercise, we also need to do this with our stress and our self-care. Part of stress is not having enough self-care practice in place. So what I mean by self-care is things that you do consistently each day that help you to feel better. For me, I write like a gratitude list. I write an affirmation every day that I put in my head throughout the day. But again, that doesn't resonate with everybody. I'm not saying that everybody has to go away and do this. Do what's right for you. I go for a walk each day. I um, read a, um, 10 pages of a book each day. And about three or four other different things that I put in place each day that I know takes me closer to feeling a lot less stressed and part of my personal development and self-care. That, again, needs to be worked around your cycle. So upping all of these things as we get towards the time of the month, making sure that you're taking that time out to relax. This most important time of the month to do this is that week leading up to the period. So we're going to get all we need nutritionally. We're going to get the right exercise for what we need at that time. And we're also going to give ourselves that self-care and that nurturing that we need for ourselves to be able to deal with what's coming. So if that means getting to bed earlier, again, sleep is a massive importance. Getting to bed earlier, making sure that you're not putting anything in your social diary that's going to take you into doing extra things. At the moment, obviously, as this recording is going out, we're in the middle of the pandemic still, so we're not having as much social interaction with others. But once we are, it's very easy to say like, oh, after work, I'm going to go and meet this person or do that or take the kids here or do whatever, adding in all these extra things that add to stress. Add to, it might not feel like stress, but it is, you know, you're not going home and relaxing after a day's work. You're going out and doing other things. And again, this has to be factored into the whole of the diary thing and making sure that you are taking that time out for yourself. Once you've got these three things working together, and it can take work to get them to work in synergy, you know, sometimes one might be better than the other area. But once we get these things working together, that's when the symptoms start to become a little less and can at some point become a thing of the past. Myself, um, when I experimented with this, I found that I totally had a different way of life. I, I didn't have as many months with pain it can creep in occasionally but generally the pain is a lot less the brain fog is a lot better 
I no longer get bloated and I wouldn't say I had, I still have IBS, but I don't tell anybody because I don't have any of the symptoms of it. And that is a result of these three things working together. I am on naproxen still, but I used to be on about 12 a month and now two to three maximum. That That is all. And that is only really as a precaution because sometimes I don't want to wake up in the night. So I take one before bed just as a precaution. But it's definitely made me really reduce those painkillers by following these three steps. Now, I'm not saying that this is going to be followed to the T every single day of your life. And it can be really easy once you have got these things working together and it reducing your symptoms. You get can get a little bit complacent sometimes. And again, I've been guilty of this. You get to think, oh, I'm cured now. I'm better. And you start to let things slide. Things slip. You start to eat maybe a little bit more of this and a bit of that. You start like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym anyway this week because I'm feeling okay. And then all of a sudden, things start to turn back on its head. When you think that this is a holistic way of doing things, it's not a medicinal way of doing things. So whatever you put in place and worked, it can also be undone and not work. So my advice is once you get to a point where this is working, try and keep that on a level as much as you can, because when it does work, it's kind of magical. So I hope that's helped everybody that's listened. I hope you've taken away some really good pointers. And if anything else, make sure that you look at these three areas and put things in place around your cycle. Thanks for listening to Endo Matters. I've been Michelle Brooks from Desired Physique. If you have a question you'd like me to answer, please drop me a message on Facebook or Instagram or email me at info at If you like what you've heard and have found the information useful, please subscribe to the podcast on the platform you are listening to. Also, if you have enjoyed the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Endo Matters is recorded and produced by Strength in Media.